0: If you have your Bibles, you can open them tonight to James chapter 3. We're going to actually finish James chapter 3 tonight. Uh, next week, we're going to begin in chapter four. Next week, we're going to talk about the wars and, and, and the fights that are within us. How many of you can understand wars and fights within you? You have a little contention going on. You might be miserable one day, really in a good mood the next. You're up and down and all over the place, and you can't figure out what in the world is going on. You're a sweet person to one, one person one minute, and you can snap the next, and you wonder, what in the world is happening to me? We're going to talk about that next week. It's going to be a great... Uh, A great little teaching, but we've got to get through chapter three. For those of you that are new and with us for the first time tonight, we are studying the book of James. Uh, James was the half brother of Jesus. He was he was lived, he was raised uh, with Jesus in his household. Can you imagine that? Getting firsthand experience with Jesus, Um, I just can't even imagine. And so I'm interested in the book that he wrote for that very reason. And Um, And so interesting book. It's a very practical book for those of you who have never studied it before. One of my pet peeves as a preacher is I wanna make sure that what I'm teaching we can immediately apply to our life and it's transforming us. Who knows that as Christians, we should be transformed. The word of God that we're sitting under week after week after week, I I really have a problem with just going to church on Sunday morning or Saturday night or whenever it is you go to church and just hearing a message and leaving there and checking that off your duty and your to-do list saying I did it and, and that's fulfilled for the week. The word of God should change our lives. We should be applying that. We should look a whole lot different this week than we did a month ago. Or uh, I should be a different person this year than I was last year because I have that much word being, much more word being sown into my life. And so when we sit under a Bible teaching, that word should be alive in us because God says his word is living. It's powerful, it's active, it doesn't return void. And so when I deposit word in you from the pulpit that word should be coming alive in you you should be making application to your life and truly it should be transforming you and the book of James is wonderful about doing that it's practical application for your life and if you take it seriously I promise you it will transform you but James does not beat around the bush. He doesn't sugarcoat things. He makes it very clear in, the, in the, the chapters that we have been studying previously is that the word that we hear should be making a difference in our life. That faith, faith in God without action, without a change in our life is really dead. It's not serving us in any way, shape, or form. That our religion is really useless if it's not changing our life, And we're going to see in chapter, the, the middle of chapter 3, we're going to pick up in, in, in James chapter 3 verse 13, we're going to see that James is going to make it very clear that he is not interested in how great we talk. He is far more interested in how straight we walk. James is not interested in how great we talk because who knows that as Christians we have learned to talk a good talk. We can quote scriptures, we can pray with people, we can say, I was in church on Sunday morning, I'm a Christian, that's that's who I am, but really, we're talking a good talk, but we're not walking a very straight walk, and I'm convinced that that's why people do not want our Jesus, is because we don't look a whole lot different than the unbeliever down the street, and the word of God that we're sitting under should be changing and challenging. How? Who likes to be challenged? It should be challenging our life. I hope on Monday nights when you leave here that you leave challenged, that that I give you some kind of nugget of truth that challenges your life to change, to make you a better person. Because the same God that saved you, the same grace that saved you now is empowering you, has given you the power to walk out whatever he's asked you to apply to your life and do. And it'll change you. It'll transform you. And so James, is he has just finished talking to us about our mouth. He, he spends a lot of time in his book talking about the mouth, the tongue. That's really good for me because I've got a big one, and, and I've got a loose tongue. And, and so I really love the book of James for that reason. And so James is saying to us that, that we really need to learn to bridle our tongue. And he has not lost that thought as we pick up in verse 13. If you have your Bibles, James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct, by good manner of life, if you will, that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. But, here's the big but, one of these times I'm going to do a series on all the big buts of the Bible. This is a big but. But one anyone of, among you is wise and understanding, let him show it by his conduct, his good conduct, that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. James is saying, if there's anybody wise and understanding among you, you're going to know it by this. You're going to know it because he's going to let you see it in the way he acts. In fact, it says, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. That word let in the original language in the Greek really means uh, that that he will give proof or he must show by his conduct. So what he's saying is if you're wise, if you're understanding, I'm going to know know it because I'm going to see it in your conduct because you have to show it. If you're wise, it's going to come out in your conduct, in the way you behave in your manner of life, if you will. Now, now I love that because we think about wisdom. When you think about somebody who's wise, what do you think about? You might think about somebody who has a number of letters behind their, their name or you might think about somebody who has a, a lot of degrees or, or, or a master's degree or, or you might think about somebody who went to a prestigious college or, or somebody who's all that in a bag of potato chips. But can I tell you what James is saying? That wisdom has nothing to do with any of that. That a man who is, who is wise, it, it doesn't depend on, on those things. A man who's wise, it has to do with the way you live, how you behave, your attitude, and the words you speak. Wisdom has to do with what is coming out of your mouth. I'll even go this far with you. I don't believe wisdom is about biblical knowledge. Who knows that there's a big difference between knowledge and wisdom? I heard somebody say that knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is is knowing better than to put it into a fruit salad. There's a huge difference between having knowledge and being wise. And, and so I will tell you that you know nobody drills you more about studying the word of God and building up knowledge uh, about the word of God in you than I do. That's important, it's vital that we're in the word of God, it's vital that we study the word of God, it's vital that we store up his word richly within us. But I am here to tell you that you can have a ton of biblical knowledge. Everybody with me? You can graduate from the the best seminary in, in the world. You can be filled with biblical knowledge and still be stupid. Still not be wise, if you will. Because who knows, James has has told us over and over and over, it is not just about hearing the word of God. It's not about storing up the word of God. It's about doing it. It's about applying it to your life and living it out. And there are a ton of people, myself included, that can store up the word of God and have a lot of knowledge about the word of God, but really not be wise because we're not applying it to our life. Are you with me? And James is saying, that cannot be. And this is how you're going to know somebody who is wise among you, is you're going to be able to tell in their manner of conduct. Let me ask you a question. If someone looked at your manner of life, how you're behaving, what's coming out of your mouth, would they label you as a wise man or a wise woman? James is saying, we have to be careful with that, look at, look at verse 13, he says, let him show by, weak, by his works are done in meekness of wisdom. And, and I really love that. I, I, that word meekness there is, is really, a, it's a fascinating word because we look at meekness sometimes and I think we think meekness is weakness. And, and who knows that that is not the case. In fact, Jesus himself used one word to describe himself. Well, when he, when he described himself as meek, Now, Jesus was not weak. Who knows that? And so, if Jesus is using that word to describe himself, I want to know what it means. And I'm taking this directly out of the Greek dictionary. It says, it is that temper of spirit in which we accept God's dealing with us as good and therefore without disputing or resisting. It is only the humble heart which is also meek and which as such does not fight against God and will not struggle or contend with him. Meekness accepts God's word and does it even when it doesn't seem fair or feels like it goes against the grain. Meekness says, God, your way is right. I'm not going to argue with it. If your word is true and I believe it is, I'm going to do what your word says and I'm going to humble myself under it and I'm going to believe that that is good no matter what my circumstances say that might be contrary to it. And I'm going to do what your word says regardless because I believe it's the right way. Meekness says that. And so James says if any man is wise, he's gonna show that his conduct, his manner of life, his works are done in meekness of wisdom. That he understands that God's word is right and he's gonna do it. And that's gonna show in his life. You know, it's so, Timothy, I think Paul said to Timothy that, that you have known scripture from your youth and you know that that scripture is able to make you wise. Just knowing scripture doesn't make us wise. Applying it to our life does. Jesus himself, when he was talking about a wise man, you know the story. A wise man built his house upon the rock, and he talks about a wise man and how he's applying God's word to, to his life, and he's building on the foundation of God's word, and that's what makes a man wise, and that's what makes you and I wise. Can I just tell you my pet peeve? We counsel with a lot of people. My week is usually filled with, with counseling appointments, and, and I have to limit those, and it's really hard. Last night I came home. We came home at what time? I, I might have gotten home at 1.30 in the morning from from just appointments all day long and small group meetings, and, and it was hard. I heard some hard stories. I was overwhelmed with people's pain. I heard one bad story after another. I sat with people who were in pain. I sat with a family that's in extreme pain. I didn't get home till late I crawled in bed and I was overwhelmed and said to the Lord I just they, I would just felt so deeply for the people who were suffering but can I just tell you this almost in every situation I could take those people back to the word of God and say God said this you didn't do it no wonder your life is in pain you say well Rhea, that's harsh you you do the same thing you're exactly right I do But I'm starting to see as I study that God's word, I'm telling you this, that God's word is protection for us. That when he tells us to do something, it is not because he's withholding from us. When he tells us to do something or he advises a behavior, it is for our good all the time. And we could avoid so much pain. And that's what James is saying is if you want to be wise, if you want to live right, If you want people to look at you and say, there's a wise man or woman, this is what you need to do. You need to humbly accept the word of God. You need to to do it with meekness, knowing that his way is right, regardless of how it feels to you. Who knows that sometimes God's word doesn't feel good? How many of you have ever been hurt by somebody deeply? I mean, deeply. Is it just me? Somebody who's done you dirty. Uh, Anybody besides me like to retaliate? And God's word says what? Vengeance is the Lord's. Do not retaliate. That's what his word says. His word actually says forgive because I have forgiven you and you want to say, what? What are you talking about, Lord? Do you not know what happened to me? Is that meekly, humbly accepting the word of God? No, it's not. Humbly and meekly accepting the word of God would say, you know what, Lord, they did me dirty and it hurt like the dickens but you tell me to forgive. So it must be what's best for me, and so as much as I don't want to, I'm gonna humble myself under your word, and I'm gonna meekly accept that. Turn over to James chapter 1, verse, I think it's 21. We've already studied this, but I wanna return to it just for a moment tonight. He says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness that's that word, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. What he's saying there is, get rid of the garbage in your life that doesn't line up with this word. And instead, receive, and that word receive, we talked about it, it means to welcome it as a guest. Like somebody, like, uh, like you would welcome a guest in your home. You'd open wide the door and say, come on in and sit down, let me get you a cup of coffee. He says, that's how I want you to receive the word of God openly. Welcome it into your life and receive it with meekness, knowing that his word is always right and he always has the best in in mind for you and that it will work in your life. And I want you to accept it as a visitor. And so he uses that same word, accept it with meekness. Because it has the power to save your soul. That word save is salvation. It means deliverance. It means rescue. It means wholeness. Everybody, tell me what soul means there. Somebody, you hear me preach it all the time. What is it? Your mind, your will, your emotions. Ladies, this word has the power to deliver your emotions. This word has the power to make whole your emotions that get so out of control. Maybe yours don't. But this word, when we receive it and welcome it as a guest, has the power to transform our life. Do you believe that? And so James is saying, this is how you get wise. Let me give you some advice. You humbly accept this word into your life. You receive it and welcome it as a guest. You apply it to your life and you begin to live it out. You don't resist it. Oh, how many of you have seen the new Star Wars movie? Yeah, me, I don't like it either. But, but Davey loves it. He loves it. I'm trying to be, you know, wife with the mostest, and he wants to go see Star Wars so I'm like oh baby let's go see Star Wars I'll buy you the tickets and we'll go see I so I surprised him with tickets for Star Wars and I'm like oh lord you gotta help me get through this movie and 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 he loves it and so I'm trying to be up and 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 I really ended up getting into this movie it was pretty fascinating and and for those of you that don't know Star Wars like me I, what do you call them Star Wars people Trekkies, uh, he's a Trekkie too, that was the other thing he is. Not one of those either, but so st- storm troopers, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't know either. So we go to the movies and, um, you know, Dave's catching me up on all the Star Wars because there's been a lot of them and, and we're, trying, we're, we're trying to catch up on Star Wars and I'm trying to learn the background and, you know, you know the story, the force be with you. And, and there are good guys and bad guys, there's light and darkness, and it's such a picture of the Christian walk, and so I can find a sermon anywhere I go, and so I'm sitting in the middle of this Star Wars movie, and I want to get up and start preaching because I can make immediate application to what's happening on the screen, and so I am like taking notes, I am excited about this movie, and, and there's this guy called Kylo Ren, good, is that saying all this I need you Um, so Kylo Ren and he is he used to be a good guy right he is Luke Skywalker and somebody help me his mom is Princess Leia somebody's shaking their head no but just let me just come with me stay with me (laughs) Han Solo and Leia He used to be on the good guy side, just stay with me. (laughs) And he was training to be a Jedi. And all of a sudden, the Jedis are the good guys, the light, the force. And he was training to be a Jedi, and the guy that's training him sees that he's struggling with darkness in him. And instead of resisting the darkness, he gives into the darkness and plays with it a bit. And it gets power because anything you acknowledge gets power. And so, You can see throughout this movie that that this guy, Kylo Ren, you can see the the, the conflict in him. You can see the darkness and the light just pulling at him. You can see that he's in conflict and you can see when it happens in his face that that he is resisting the light within him, but he's in this battle. There's a pull between darkness and light and, and it's just such a picture of our life. And you see, the Bible says, and in fact, James will say it next week, well, he tells us to resist the devil and he will flee, that we need to resist. This darkness that we need to be intentional about resisting it not empowering it and we see that in this movie in Star Wars where he's resisting and I, I love it and and I'm, you know many of you know that I'm writing this new book and I honestly believe we're going to title it The Resistance because it's all about a soul in conflict it's all about the power of darkness and light and how we need to be intentional about not empowering the darkness within us that, that Christ's light will overcome the darkness, but that we have an enemy of our soul, and he wants to pull us away from all that is good. He, if he can't keep us out of heaven, he's going to make us live like hell here on earth. And he does that by keeping us away from the word of God. And, and James is going to go on, and he's going to talk about worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. He's going to talk about wisdom from above and wisdom from below. And so let's look at that, that passage, because as we do that, I want you to be thinking about Star Wars and think about uh, uh, Kylo and how he was in this battle between darkness and light. You and I face that same battle every single day of the week. Not that darkness is in us, but that darkness is whispering, come my way, come on, don't resist me, come with me, come on, let me just pull you away from all that is good. And we, instead of resisting it, and he will flee, we give into it and empower it in fact at one point kylo uh, in the previous movie uh, killed his father he was so stuck in his past his past had such power over him that he thought if he could just get rid of if he could just murder his father that, that that would be the end of that chapter in his life but what happened is when he murdered his father the darkness got stronger within him and you see that's what bitter envy James is gonna talk about bitter envy and jealousy and all of that darkness in us. We think if we just tit for tat, if we just get back, if we just treat somebody the way they deserve to be treated, if we just get revenge, if we just fight back in the same manner, that, that that will be lifted off of us. Kylo learned that all that did was empower the darkness within him. Rather, evil is overcome by good. And that's what James is going to show us here. Picking up in verse um, 15, no, 14, I'm sorry, I need my glasses here. He says, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. That is so interesting to me, that word bitter envy there. It is the word bitter, and you know what bitterness the Bible talks about, bitter, and how uh, don't Don't let a root of bitterness grow up within you because it will grow up and defile many. It will multiply. This isn't just envy, this is bitter envy. And and, and it really means, the the word in the original language, it seeks the best for oneself regardless of what might be good for another person. It is uh, jealousy, it's rivalry. Can I just tell you, you do not have a rival. You are created in the image of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. The hairs on your head are numbered by God. He has a purpose and a plan that you were created before the foundations of the earth. He created you, he called you, he put a purpose in you that only you could do. Why in the world would you be jealous of somebody else? Focus on how great God made you. But see, that's what's happening is we get that bitter jealousy, that bitter envy within us. We want what somebody else has, or we don't want them to succeed, or, or we just want them to not be happy, and, and, and we have this tension inside of us between good and evil, and, and we let that stuff just grow up like a bitter root within us, and it consumes us because instead of resisting it, we empower it. And he says, if you have bitter envy in your heart and self-seeking, self-seeking, it's, it's all about me. It's about self-promotion. It's a desire to put self forward. It's seeking to win followers. It's actually a political uh, term. It was, uh, it was what politicians do when they make themselves look really good and, and they, 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 they try to win followers and, and get people behind them at somebody else's expense. Oh, I know that you don't do that, but let's just talk about the people that do. Talk about the people who gossip and, and backbite and, and tear down reputations because they want to move forward, and they think they're actually doing something good for themselves, but it's bitter envy and self-seeking, and it is wisdom from below that is demonic and sensual, and it will never, ever get you ahead, I promise you. And so James is saying, do an examination of your life, and if you have any of that in you, get rid of it quickly. Because it will be a force in you. You need to resist it. You need to examine your life and rid yourself of it. He said, if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. I actually really like the J.B. Phillips there. It says, do not deny the truth that you must recognize in your inmost heart. The NLT says, if you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your hearts, don't cover up the truth by boasting and lying. One of the things that I do on a daily basis is I sit before the Lord and I say examine me and see if there's any wicked way in me. The Bible says that we are deceived by the pride of our heart. That we don't wanna see the ugly stuff in us. We wanna cover it up, we wanna put on a spiritual mask, we wanna look like we're all that in a bag of potato chips and we think that we're putting a smile on our face and we're fooling people, but can I tell you what? You can fool all the people you want, rock on with your bad self, but you are not fooling God. You're not fooling God, he knows what's in a man. The Bible says that he never entrusted himself to a person because he knew what was in a man. And so James is saying, can I tell you that when you entertain that stuff in your life, it will bring you down quickly because it is sensual, it's earthly, it's worldly wisdom. It is demonic, it's fed by the demons, it's fed by by the darkness. And you need to resist that. But you see, the reason we like it is it's sensual, it feeds our appetite, it makes us feel good. If I have all these followers behind me and I'm excluding Jean, then I look good and Jean looks bad. And, you know, I'll gossip about Jean and turn people against her so that I look good. Can you believe we play those ridiculous games? That I am jealous of something Jean has instead of being happy for Jean that she has it? That I want it for myself, and so I'm going to sulk, and I'm going to be nasty and unkind because I don't want her to have it, and I don't have it, and so I'm feeling left out? Come on, guys. And James is saying that kind of garbage is not from God. It's worldly wisdom, and it will bring you down. And we need to resist it. And so he says, don't deny it, examine yourself, do an inventory of your life and say, Lord, do I have that stuff in my life? I don't wanna be deceived by the pride of my heart. I don't wanna refuse to see it and put on a mask and look really good. I don't want to lie against the truth. He says, this kind of wisdom does not descend from above but it's earthly, sensual, and demonic. And he said, in that place where those things are, there's confusion and every evil thing is there. Every evil thing is there. That confusion, it's interesting, Dave and I were looking up these words this week, and and the word confusion means instability. It means a state of disorder, disturbance, Confusion, so where there's envy and there's jealousy and there's self-seeking and, and self-promotion, there's going to be confusion in every evil thing. That word instability, I looked it up, and it means, of course, the state of being unstable, but this is what I really liked. The condition of being likely to change unexpectedly. The tendency to be unpredictable in behavior and erratic. The tendency to change mood quickly. How many of you, don't raise your hand, have ever experienced that? The next time you experience it, go back to the book of James and says, he says that the confusion and instability, there's all, that's always going to be present when we are fighting against the truth, when we're not humbly and meekly accepting the word of God and, 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 and coming up underneath it and accepting it and applying it in our life, and instead we're doing it the world's way. The world says tit for tat. The world says, Sarah hurt me, I'll hurt Sarah back. That's worldly wisdom, confusion, instability, every evil thing. So I can choose to live that way, or I can choose God, God's way. Sarah hurts me, I love her, I forgive her, I honor her, I treat her well, I overcome evil with good. That's, that's godly wisdom. And in that place, that whole list that follows is what I'm going to live in. Peace. So if you're here tonight and you are living in the state of confusion, or living in the state of misery, or living in the state of just unhappiness, and, and it just feels like your your moods are unstable and all over the place, do an examination and say, Am I humbly accepting the word of God? Am I accepting it and welcoming it as a visitor in my life and not just hearing it but doing what it says because that will bring a state of peace in our life, I promise you, I promise you. Many of you have heard me tell the story about uh, somebody who hurt me deeply, and I've told you a million times, if I told you the story, you would say to me, Rhea, you have every right to hold on to unforgiveness. What they did to you was not just wrong, it was super wrong, and you have a right to hang on to unforgiveness, and so I did for very for, for a number of years. <laughs> and I was miserable, and I was living in that state of confusion and instability, and I was all over the place. I was happy one minute, sad the next. I was full of bitterness. I was full of envy. I was full of every evil thing, but, but I knew what God's word said about forgiveness, and yet I felt so justified. I felt so, so just absolutely justified in holding on to unforgiveness because it was wrong. It was super wrong, super duper duper wrong, and, and yet, the more I held on to that in disobedience, even though I knew what God's word said, I felt like God should understand. And instead, he let me soak up. Rhea, you want to do it the world's way. It's worldly wisdom, and it's appealing to your appetite. It's appealing to your flesh, Rhea. It's comforting you right now. You feel justified, and, and, and you're empowered by that. But you know what, Rhea? It's worldly wisdom, and it will bring you down. And there will be confusion and every, every evil thing there. So are you going to do it my way? And I'm going to let you get miserable enough until you cry. What's what's the word? Uncle, yeah. And eventually, I did. But see, when you do it God's way, I promise you there's always life. I promise you that there is always life. But see, it goes against everything in us. To do it God's way went against everything in me. I have a right, Lord. This was wrong, Lord. Don't you see this, Lord? Aren't you going to do something? Don't I matter to you? Yes, Rhea, that's why I have it this way. So that you can live in that place of peace and not instability. Don't resist it. You know the scripture, and we're gonna read it next week, that he says God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. I used to think that that was arrogance and pride, and and I would quote it that way, but if you look at it in the context, what he's saying is I will give grace to those who humble themselves under my word, who admit that their way is not the right way, who come into agreement that my way is right, and they humble themselves up underneath it, and then the grace God's empowering presence to walk it out will be there. But I'll resist the proud. Those who set themselves up against my word and disobedience, I will resist. I'll pull back the power. And so I was miserable. I was loving Jesus, but I was miserable and I felt powerless in my life and it's because I chose to do it my way. And he was like, Rhea, as soon as you humble yourself under my word and agree to do it my way, I will give you the grace to persevere in this situation. I'll give you the grace to forgive that person and not just forgive him, but love him well. I promise you, he did. But we've got to choose to resist the devil and not resist the Holy Spirit's work within us. Let's go back to James chapter three. I'm finishing, I promise. He says, um, but the wisdom that is from above is first of all pure. Oh, I love it. That means pure from every fault. It means, and I love this, incapable of producing anything evil. He said it's pure. It's peaceable. It's going to bring you peace, Rhea. It's gentle. You're going to be gentle with those around you. That word gentle describes the kind of person who, though wronged and possessed the right not to bend, nevertheless forgoes his right they're gentle. It's willing to yield. I have a right, but I'm going to yield. It's full of mercy. Oh, do you know that judgment without mercy will be shown to those who judge without mercy? Do you believe that? You see, we don't live like we believe that because if we believe that God's word was true, his word says that judgment without mercy will be shown to somebody who judges without mercy. So if Diane hurts me, and I judge her without mercy, I can expect, see, the Bible's full of principles of reaping and sowing. Whatever I sow, I will reap. You put a marigold seed in the ground, what are you going to get? Marigold. And so, when I sow judgment without mercy, what's going to reap back in my life? No mercy. I'm going to be judged without mercy. Does that scare anybody besides me? See, if we really believe that God's word was true, but see, we don't. We sit under sermons, we listen to preachers preach, and we don't really believe that what they're preaching is true, but God's word is true. It's yea and amen to those who believe. He's not a man that he should lie. It is forever settled in heaven. It's true. And so when he says judgment without mercy will be shown to those who judge without mercy, guys, why are we not shaking in our shoes? Why are we not forgiving immediately and getting that garbage out of our life? You say, well, Rhea, that bothers me. It should. I'm not going to water down God's word to make you feel better. I'm going to give you godly wisdom that sets you free and gives you life. Because I am, frankly, tired of waiting till 3 o'clock in the morning, 1.30 in the morning, counseling with people whose lives are in shambles because godly wisdom was given, and they chose worldly. It's peaceable. It'll bring peace in your life. Trust me, I know this firsthand. It'll yield good fruit. It'll profit you with something good. It's without partiality, and it is without hypocrisy. My favorite one. Anybody know what hypocrisy is there? It means without play acting. Oh, guys, come on. Here's what I just... just, I'm grieved when I go into the world and I see people living, but they say they know Jesus and they love Jesus and, and we're playing games. We're putting on masks. We're pretending we're all that in a bag of potato chips and yet we're not applying God's word to our life. It's not making a difference. And why do we wear masks? Why do we pretend we're something we're not? When we can be everything he promises us we can be. I want to be without hypocrisy. I don't want to play act. I want to be the real deal or nothing at all. I want people to look at my life and say, whatever she has, I want. Anybody besides me want that. But we can't play act. We can't pretend. We've got to be the real deal. And that means we have to humbly accept the word of God. We've got to, we've got to understand that God will always give grace, his empowering presence to those who humble themselves under his word in obedience to those who don't resist it because they're proud and they think they know better and their way works better than his he says wisdom from above will never ever be full of hypocrisy I I um, I read a definition of wisdom that I really like that I want to share with you because when James is talking about wisdom this is what he really means Jack Graham says, wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective and making decisions or how you live your life based on that understanding. Seeing things from God's perspective and making decisions based on that understanding. Now, that's godly wisdom, but worldly wisdom will be seeing things from the world's perspective and basing our life and making decisions on what the world says is wise. Who knows those things are indirect. They're, they're contrary to each other. Are they not? And so this week when you go out and you say, uh, I, I want to see things, Lord, from your perspective, and I want to make decisions on how to live my life based on your word. That's living in godly wisdom. Not doing it God's way. Wisdom is about making the right choices, and the right choices are based on this word right here. He says, now the fruit of righteousness is shown in, sown in peace by those who make peace. The fruit of righteousness, of right living, doing things God way, God's ways, living in a way that's pleasing to God. The fruit, the offspring of that is sown in peace by those who make peace. Peace. I want to read a scripture to you. I asked Don to put this on the screens for me. Um, it's Philippians 2, 12 through 16. I've been meditating on this scripture this week because I've been thinking about James and how he tells us the difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. I, I'm thinking about that James 1.21 where he says to humbly accept the word of God with meekness, because it has the power to save your soul. It has the power to bring wholeness into your life. It has the power to deliver you from behaviors you hate. It has the power to do that. God's word has the power to do that. And so I've been asking the Lord about that. And, and I found this scripture in Philippians 2, verses 12 through 16. As we close, I just really want you to stay with me and just listen to this verse and just absorb it. As I read it, therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now not only with the enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but much more because I'm absent, work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal, and, fur- and fully complete your own salvation. Now, who knows that you were saved when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You were saved by grace not by works. Can I tell you, there is nothing you can do to earn your way into heaven. Absolutely nothing. You were saved by grace. It was a gift from God. You didn't earn it. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough to get it. You just accept the gift and you were saved. Now he tells you, you're being saved. Work out that salvation. You've been saved. It's completed. You're going to heaven. Now work out that salvation with fear and trembling. How, what does that mean? It means to work out your deliverance, to work out your wholeness that's been promised. That is not something that you're going to see just when you get to heaven. Today is the day of salvation. Salvation, eternal life, begins the day you say yes to Jesus. That perpetual, ongoing life starts that day. And so we are called to work that out here on earth with fear and trembling, and that's this verse. But that word fear and trembling means self-distrust. Self-distrust. Do you know that your emotions are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked? That's what the Bible says. It says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We can't trust it. We can't trust our emotions. You have to have some self-distrust with serious caution, with tenderness of conscience, with watchfulness against temptation. You're going to be tempted, I promise you. The enemy, <laughs> the, 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 he wants you to not resist him. He wants you to give in to him, and so he's going to tempt you to pull you away from God. But no temptation has seized you but what is common to man. And every time you're tempted, God promises that he will give you a way of escape if you just ask for it. And so We need to be watchful against temptation. But here was my favorite part timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. See, some of you didn't get that. What if we lived our life every single day timidly shrinking back from whatever might offend God? And he says, this is not in your own strength, for it is God who all the while effectively, it's the same grace that saved you, is now working within you, effectively at work within you, energizing and creating in you the power and the desire, both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. You say, well, I don't know if I want to live like this. Then why don't you ask him to give you the desire? Notice he says he's going to give you the will and the desire to work for his good pleasure. And then he says, do all things without grumbling and fault fault finding and complaining against God and questioning and doubting among yourselves. How many of you have ever quoted that scripture? Do everything without grumbling and complaining. How many of you have done that? You know, you hear somebody, do everything without, Tracy, do everything without grumbling and complaining. We have so taken that scripture out of context. Because what he's talking about is as we work out our salvation and we humbly accept the word of God within us, we need to do everything without grumbling and complaining against God and questioning and doubting his word in our life. How many of you are parents? Have you ever said to your, my my Kendall is here tonight. I've said to her numerous times, Kendall, I need you to go do this. Do this now. And she'll walk away. She'll do it, but it'll be like, I can't believe you're asking me to do this. I don't have time to do this. I can't believe it. Nobody else's mom makes them do this kind of stuff. How does that make me feel as a parent? I don't want her grumbling and complaining against me, even if she's still doing what I've asked her to do. I want her to respond quickly to what I've asked her to do, knowing that I have her best interest at heart. And that's what god wants us to do with his word when he gives us a command to do something he wants us to do it without grumbling and complaining he wants us to humbly accept the word of god so that instead of resisting him he'll now give us grace to do it when we humble ourselves underneath it he says do this that you may show yourself to be blameless and guileless innocent and uncontaminated children of god without blemish faultless, unrebukable, in the midst of a crooked and wicked generation among whom you are seen as bright lights in a dark world. Do you not want to be that? I want more than anything else. There there are two things in my life that I really, really, really want. I want to be authentic. I don't want to be a play actor. I've seen enough of that. It really, I really don't like it. I want to be the real deal or nothing at all. I think if you ask the people closest to me, they would tell you that that's who I am, that it's not just something I put on up here, that I really am that person. Because I want to to come out into a dark world and hold out the word of truth and let people see it in my life and be drawn to it. Do you not want that? Do you know that that's why we're in this world, to bring God glory, to be a light for him in this world? What was the quote? Lisa, you quoted a great quote tonight from um, Reinhard Bunke. It was that his biggest prayer was that heaven would be full and hell would be empty. That's what I want more than anything in this world. Do you know that every day people are dying and going to hell all around us? It's real. Just because we don't preach it anymore doesn't mean it's not real. And we have the truth. And instead we're playing games, we're play acting, we're, 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 we're becoming just like the world because we're falling for their worldly wisdom instead of yielding and, and, and meekly accepting God's wo- godly wisdom. And so we don't look any different and he's saying that when we do everything without grumbling and complaining against God and we just accept his word and we work out our salvation we work out our deliverance with fear and trembling and we examine ourselves and we we look at our life and and we we resist temptation and and we do all of those things we start to look a little bit more like God and we go out into a dark world and they say oh there is something about her i want to be just like that i want whatever she has and we preach Christ without ever opening our mouth. Do you not want that? James is saying we can have that. We can have that. So this week as you go out, everything you do, every reaction you're tempted to have, every behavior that's coming off your life, every time you want to open your mouth, say, is this worldly wisdom? The way I want to respond right now, am I responding the way the world would respond there? Am I responding the way God would respond? Because in that place, our life will be filled with peace. Our life will be filled with transformation. Our life will be filled with all the goodness of the Lord, all the blessing of the Lord. And here's the best news. None of it is done in our own power. The same grace that saved us is now empowering us to walk out all that he's called us to do. His ways, I promise you are always right and they're always for our benefit and unlike kylo we need to stop resisting it and we need to give into it and let the force within us empower us and walk out this walk that god has called us to do come back next week we'll start in james chapter 4 we're going to talk about the wars and the, the battles within us and what that looks like let me pray for you before you leave Father God, I thank you for each and every person in this room tonight. I thank you, Lord, for their um, attention. They were uh, attentive. Lord God, they were hungry for your word. And I pray, Father, that your word, that's been deposited in each one of us tonight would reap a harvest, that it would just continue, Lord, to uh, speak to us throughout the week. I pray that it would come alive within us. I pray that you would just make us sensitive, Lord, to your voice, that we would hear your voice like we've never heard it before. Lord, that you'd bless each one here. Increase, Lord God, our faith and draw us even closer to you, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.